Welcome to Do You Follow Podcast. This is episode 48. I'm Juliet. Hi, Rachel. We're talking to each other. Which Rachel? Right now. <laughs> There's two Rachels on the episode today. There's so many Rachels on this episode. <laughs> you know Rachel Silver, but we have a very special guest today. Rachel Tipograph, who is the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm so excited to have you on, Rachel. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited to be back. I feel like it's been two or three years. I yeah, know. It's been a long time. Okay. So for our listeners, give us a brief introduction to who you are and what Micmac is and how you started it. Um, yeah. So I'm the founder and CEO of Micmac. Micmac is an e-commerce marketing platform for multi-channel brands. So if the majority of your sales come from places like Amazon, Target, Walmart, Ulta, Sephora, Best Buy, Dick's Sporting Goods, Petco, you will probably become my client because you live in darkness with e-retail data. <laughs> so take my client at L'Oreal, if they're buying media anywhere on the internet, let's just say Instagram, Facebook, paid search, and they drive someone to a Sephora product details page, the moment the customer clicks or swipes up, L'Oreal has now lost that customer. I have built software that allows L'Oreal to own as much of the customer journey as humanly possible while still driving sales at their biggest retail partners. So that's what we do. And how did you even come up with this idea? Like you were sort of at the precipice of social shopping before it was even a thing, like before we collectively even figured out that mm -hmm. that was how people were buying things on the internet. So I know you have like an interesting background working in social like Gap, which is kind of like a legacy brand. You also interned at SNL, which is just a cool side thing. Yeah. So how did you, how did you get there and what was your career trajectory to decide to start something like Micmac? So when I started Micmac originally, the impetus for the company came from my last job. So I used to lead global digital and social media at Gap. I was a total wildcard hire. The company had a decade of declining sales, an aging customer base. The senior leadership team looked around the room and their target customer wasn't at the table. So they decided to hire me to lower the average age of the customer. This was 2011. And there were three trends that I was really paying attention to while I was at Gap. One was the growth of video as the predominant form of content on the internet. I was watching publishers like Refinery29, Buzzfeed, fire their editorial staff, replace them with short form video production teams. So I said to myself, if the internet's gonna be one big video, Ecom is going to have to be a part of it in a really significant way. Trend number two that I was paying attention to was the change in the customer journey. So when I started at Gap.com in 2011, Gap.com, the homepage, was our most traffic webpage. When I left three years later, our product detail pages, meaning Gap.com forward slash jeans forward slash pink, were seeing 5x the amount of traffic, meaning no one was entering the store anymore through the front door. Everyone was using all these side doors that no one was paying attention to. And then finally, the last trend was when I started a gap in 2011, around 10% of our overall US search results were occurring within Amazon. When I left three years later, it was close to 50%. It was early signs to me, whether Gap liked it or not, they were eventually going to become available for sale in an environment like Amazon. And once that happens, they are absolutely no different than my clients today at Campbell's, Hasbro, L'Oreal, 
right? These brands that are readily available everywhere. And so that's what caused me to quit my job and start Micmac. Now, when I started Micmac, the initial idea was essentially distributed video shopping. I said to myself, the greatest form of video shopping was the infomercial industry. No one really had figured out how to modernize it for our generation. And I thought there was a huge opportunity to do that. So in 2015, I actually brought an iPhone app to market called Micmac, where I had comedians hawking products through vertical video. And it was ridiculous. And I loved doing- It was great. Yeah, you guys remember it. Um, But a year into that business model, I paused because I looked at the economics of what I was doing. And I said to myself, this will only work if I have the scale of eBay meaning 150 million daily active users. To achieve that in summer of 2016, I would have to go out and try to raise $75 million because the cost per customer acquisition, the cost per video production, not owning my inventory, like this is a pay to play ecosystem. And the truth is no one was gonna give me $75 million. And so this is when I began to pay attention to the signal and the noise. I was working with these huge brands and they all kept telling me that they wanted to white label Micmac because they wanted their owned and operated channels to feel like the universe that I created for myself. Now, instead of taking that at face value, I decided to pick up the phone. I called 300 brands and retailers, including Birchbox. And I literally wanted to understand why can't you do this yourself? And what I learned is pretty much everyone had the same three pain points, which was around creative for e-com, mm-hmm. user experience, and attribution. And that these three pain points were even more exacerbated when you talk to multi-channel brands, not pure play DTCs. Mm-hmm. And over the first year that the product was in market, I very quickly learned I should only be selling this product to multi-channel brands. I should not be selling this product to pure play DTCs. And the moment I made that decision, my entire business took off overnight. Okay. Like, so first of all, I don't talk, I feel like enough about Howcast, which was my first job in New York. And there were like so many, like, I think that you and Jason Liebman are two of like the most brilliant people I've like met in my time in New York. And it's like this exact same insight, which is like just video shopping has existed like qvc and infomercials and you know jason was at youtube seeing that like how to's were the most popular content um on youtube but people wanted to learn how to do things and then buy the things they needed to do the things you know what i mean but it's like to your exact point for to have in-house create the content and the tech product to get people from viewing the thing to buying the thing is not possible for most brands. And I just was blown away by like, you literally like had this insight. And I actually like think about you a lot. Like you like took a step back, sat down with your engineers who had been hired to do something totally else. And you were like, I've identified this problem. Like let's sit down and build something to fix that problem. That is so hard. I think, I mean, like I, like, 
I, I think about you a lot when I'm like, could we do this new thing? Like, and it's just like blows me away to think of how you did that. Like you literally sat back, mm-hmm. sat down with these engineers that are like, let's do something totally new and use the resources you already had to do something totally different, which I think is like the hardest thing to do in business and the people with the most impressive success stories, like that's part of their story. Like Airbnb, like, you know, like mm -hmm. so many of the most successful brands in the world have a very similar story. And I think it's worth just like taking a minute to like appreciate that. And I think you did something like the best, I think B2B and like enterprise platforms actually listen to what their customers need and want and then do mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I think like, it's built for the user. So we talk about yes. this with dash Hudson all the time. And like, I don't know if this is super PC, but it's like, okay, who is your user? It's like women in their 20 and 30s who are on marketing teams at like um, consumer brands, mm-hmm. like not exclusively, but like a lot of times, particularly who's on the social media team at these brands mm-hmm. and like Micmac and like dash Hudson and only a handful of products I feel like are mm-hmm. built for the user. And I don't mean the mm-hmm. consumer. I mean like the company user and Mac feels like that to me and your marketing feels like that to me. And like, we've all used these like crazy tools. Like I always tell the story, remember like Radian six and yep. we were like, this is like built by engineers, like four other engineers, but it's like 25 year old girls who are running the Twitter accounts of yep. like beauty brands. Like what is going on? And like, it yeah. sounds like an obvious thing, but yeah, people I, really I, miss the boat. You know, a few things that you said there, like one, I love Thomas at Dash Hudson. He's a fellow founder friend. And you know, the big thing with building enterprise software because I'm, I'm interviewing product managers right now. And I get resumes from like Facebook, Pinterest, Google. Mm-hmm. And these people come in and I ask them, so how are you going to get customer feedback to figure out what we're going to build next? Like that's a question I ask in the interview process. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I'll send out a survey or I'll analyze the data in your dashboard. And I go, that doesn't work when you have 250 clients, right? Mm-hmm. There are 250 people that matter not 10 million users mm-hmm. on the platform. Exactly. And so it's really about deeply understanding the day in the life of a brand manager. Mm-hmm. And being sure. able to build features and products to make their jobs easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I found the key way to do that is honestly hire people from the other side. Mm-hmm. So there are several people at my company who were brand side as well mm-hmm. as agency side working hand in hand with the brand managers. Yeah. And then I would say, you know, going back to Rachel, what you said, that moment where I decided to pivot, you know, it it was the hardest moment in my career because I, I had to restructure the entire company. Right. And the reality is there were jobs that I had in the old company that were no longer applicable to the new company. And I had to lay those people off. um, And it was the hardest thing I ever had to do in my career. But my head of product and engineering, Adam, who's been with me since day zero, he's such a special person. And he he really is a product guy who happens to be a born marketer. And when yeah. I decided to do those interviews, I brought Adam with me because mm-hmm. I needed Adam to hear it firsthand from the market and feel a part of that decision making. Mm-hmm. And I think that partnership is a huge reason for our success. So will you explain, like, do, do like the, like this dumbest down version, like, um, explain Micmac to our listeners if they've never used it before. So I'm on, um, L'Oreal's Instagram and I see a lipstick that I like, um, and like, you know, explain it from like the user, user flow. We'll we'll keep going with my client at L'Oreal. 
So uh, you're in an environment like Instagram or you're even in an environment like Hulu, mm-hmm. like anywhere on the internet, mm-hmm. you see a piece of content that's either paid, influencer, or organic. Mm-hmm. That's Produced by the brand. The brand knows it's like... Um, the brand placed the content. Yeah. Right. That's right. And you click or you swipe up depending mm-hmm. on where you are. And now you're actually in my software. Mm-hmm. So my software replaces product detail pages. Mm-hmm. And what it allows L'Oreal to do is have a multi-retailer digital storefront. So the first thing that the customer gets to do is decide where they want to check out. Right. So in this example of L'Oreal, maybe it says Sephora, Ulta, Nordstrom. I decide I'm a Sephora loyalist. I hit Sephora, boom, it goes into my cart. Now, that's what happens on the front end. What happens on the back end, and you know, this was the big product announcement that we made in the press in February, uh, is our dashboard. So L'Oreal marketers, whether they're on the brand marketing team, the social media marketing team, the Sephora marketing team, whatever it might be, they log into the dashboard to understand the customer journey across channels and across retailers. So all of a sudden, L'Oreal knows how the customer journey performs on Facebook versus Pinterest, paid search versus streaming video. They can analyze it by screw, by creative, by influencer. A huge thing that we do is called BS on influencers. We essentially have the ability to show which influencers drive conversion across which retailers. Brands often learn there's a handful of influencers that drive their bottom line and a bunch that don't. Yeah. Reallocate spend towards those influencers. Yeah, totally. Or another great example is um, take my client at ConAgra Foods. So they they own like Hebrew National hot dogs, things mm-hmm. like that. They own Healthy Choice Foods. They wanted to understand with Healthy Choice whether plant based messaging or low calorie messaging mm-hmm. would cause someone to buy. With Micmac, they got to understand which message resonates in which geography and by which retailer. Right. And then all of a sudden right. they get to call up Target in Wisconsin and say, hey, at shelf, you need to have plant-based messaging. Mm-hmm. But when you're in New Jersey, you need to have low calorie messaging. And so another thing I want to really highlight about this is, I mean, our listeners are marketers. So talking about the backend analytics in the dashboard is like extremely important. But something we talk about a ton, Juliet and I, is like, where um, you do and don't want to buy things online. So for example, like I like jokingly, I'm always like, like Juliet or one of our other Birchbox friends will tell me some beauty product to buy. And I'm like, ugh, I don't want to open a new account like on their website. Like that's so hard. Like I only want to buy it if I can like get it from Nordstrom or like Amazon or whatever. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And like the ability to choose where you buy something is really, really big and really, really powerful. And I think like a huge part of um, what you guys are doing. And I also think that like, as you already know, you know, these tools like Honey and these plugins that are, you know, introducing people to new places to shop so that they can like get discounts you know, it's like when you layer all those things together. So it's like somebody else uses honey for something and they're like, oh, there's this like, I never bought something off Jet before, but now I like know about Jet, you know, because it was like the cheapest way to buy something. And then the next time they're shopping and they go through Micmac and they see Jet again, it's like the way all of these things work mm-hmm. together is just really powerful. Like mm-hmm. people have so much choice. And like, I believe today as a yeah. marketer, like it's like 
your job is to convince people to want to buy something. Convince is a weird word, but like, you know, help people yeah. solve problems with the right Find price at the right time. Want to buy your product. Right. But then the thing mm-hmm. is, if it's not easy to buy it, there's so much of everything right now that mm-hmm. it's like, there are very few brands that command such loyalty that you're going to go through like a difficult process to buy it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So like your job is twofold. It's like connect people with the product that they want that solves a problem for them and then make it easy for them to buy it. Cause if it's not easy to buy it, they're not going to do it. Particularly now in this climate where like they cannot go out and get it literally. Yeah. One of the big things right now is I am seeing a change in the customer journey because there's crazy inventory management issues happening right now. Right. I wanted to ask you about that. Next. Yeah. So, I mean, the most important thing to consumers right now is I got to get my product right now. Yeah. I will go anywhere to do that. Yeah. The first place they go is Amazon. Right. But then Amazon, because of that, Amazon's actually having the biggest inventory issues. Yeah. And so yeah. there's been a ton of articles that's coming on the last week. There's been crazy growth at Target, at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of Mercado? It allows, I think, like independent grocery stores to like do online shopping. And I had literally never heard of them before. This like jokes aside, because I actually don't think this is it. So we were before we, you know, we were in New York and we um, couldn't get any toilet paper. And like we're New Yorkers. We don't have big rolls of toilet paper in the closet. Like we don't have space. We like couldn't find toilet paper anywhere. So we were like, okay, like let's like order some like what if things get really dicey. Like we got to order, we're going to get like paper towels, like, you know, and um, couldn't get paper towel anywhere. And Mercado came up and I had like, we ended up not ordering from there because it was going to take too long, whatever. But now I know about it. You know what I'm saying? And so I do think this is like a wild, wild west situation where like, if you can, you know, solve the problem for people or like you can come up and search when Target and Amazon are sold out of something, like it is an opportunity time, you know? Yeah, 100%. So I want to like, okay, so, you know, I really want to, I think you've given some really good advice for people thinking about like pivoting, which is going to happen to a lot of people right now. We were mentioning before, like, I was talking to one of my investors yesterday, and he referenced another company of his, which is like a restaurant software company. You know, there's all kinds of things like that. And I've seen people do some really innovative things. um, And I think you've given some really good advice about like, pivoting generally. Um, so, but what about people who like, aren't going to pivot their entire business, but need to like, um, pivot their, the way they think about like POS or, you know, going from people who didn't sell a lot online to going online. Like what advice can you give people or who are you seeing do smart things like in this climate right now? So, um, I'll talk about it through like a B to C lens and then a B to B lens. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, in a B2C lens, I think the first thing that you have to ask yourself is, uh, am I in a business of essentials? Yeah, sure. Meaning, mm-hmm. you know, if you're Clorox, if you're Glade paper towels, if you're Pringles, you're probably good right now. Mm-hmm. But if you're fashion, if you're luxury, if you're travel, customers might not be looking to buy your items right now. Yeah. So there's two things that I would be immediately doing if I was in this position. One is I would be speaking to my top customers right now. Right. So depending on the size of your business, if you're a small luxury boutique, maybe it's your top 100, or if you're like my old employer Gap, you know, 75% of Gap's revenue came from Gap credit card holders. Mm -hmm. So I'd be talking to like the Gap credit card holders. Right. And I would be thinking about high touch 
personalized experiences that I could be delivering to my top customers right now, because they are likely the only ones who are going to still buy your current products mm-hmm. or participate in paying ahead for maybe future products. That's yeah. step one. So that's like a low hanging fruit. Step two is actually saying to yourself, what is the competency of my business? So while Gap sold jeans and t-shirts, that's not actually what they do. What they actually do is they're a supply chain company and they could decide to make anything in their factories. Mm-hmm. And you've seen companies like LVMH and Budweiser actually respond to this really quickly in terms of making hand sanitizers in mass. So if you have the ability to say to yourself, what is truly the competency of my business? Is it that I'm a communications company? I'm a logistics company? I'm a supply chain company? And then take that competency and ask yourself, how quickly can you use that same level of competency and produce something for consumers that they need right now? Hmm. Yeah. So that's what I would be doing if I'm a B2C business. Uh-huh. Now, my, my brother, for example, is in the events business. And honestly, he is the most creative person I've ever met. And my heart goes out to him right now because he lost the rest of his income for 2020. So my brother creates like brand activations at Coachella, uh-huh. Comic-Con, et cetera. All those things are canceled. But he's a creative, right? And so he can be a copywriter. So again, what is yeah. your core competency? And then how can you apply it? to the remote workforce today that you have to stay at home. That's B2C, B2B. B2B, I'm in the B2B business. So A, every business owner right now should be reforecasting their business and saying to themselves, what is the absolute worst thing that could happen? So I'll just use myself as a case study. The worst thing that could happen to Micmac is that my current clients decide to stop paying me and that I could never win any new clients. So I accepted that as something that potentially could happen because every founder needs to do this. And then I said, okay, if that were to happen, how long can I keep the lights on? And the variables for that is essentially payroll and your own bills. And then you literally create a plan that shows what happens when you have full payroll, what happens when you reduce payroll, what happens when you give up your office lease, like all of those things. And everyone needs to know that because we all need to prepare for this high level of uncertainty right now. And that's something I think is really important. Like, so if you're a founder and you're listening to this podcast, like hopefully you've already thought of what Rachel just said, but if not, great advice. And if you're not a founder like or a CEO, listen to it too, because like mm-hmm. the more you can understand what's going on at the place that you work, the more creative you can be. It's like at, you know, you see a lot of messaging going on right now, like, we're all in this together. And like, you could eye roll or you could understand that it's like completely true. And it's like across industries. And it's like within companies, it's like, the goals have never been more aligned, like, the more Micmac can provide something that actually drives revenue for their customers, the more their customers are more likely to stay. So if you work at Micmac, like that needs to be what your focus is, you know, and we're talking Mm -hmm. about it at Love Stories Bees like Mm -hmm. all the time. And I think that a lot of our listeners are um, people on the marketing team who may or may not be the CEO or the founder and like understanding what's going on at the top of your business, like really matters right now, I think. Yep. And the best, the best leaders are being transparent with you, but like we get, we hear from people a lot in this podcast who are like, 
how do I convince my C-level of this? Which tells me that our listeners like might not uh, might work at big places where they don't have as much transparency as like Rachel or I provide to our team. So like knowing that that's what your CEO and your C-level is thinking about means you can help um, solve those problems and, you know, mm-hmm. be thoughtful yeah. too. And, and so, so that's happening right at every company, um, mm-hmm. no matter what size it is. Then the, the second thing is, so how, how do I get clients? Right. So the, one of the most common ways that I get clients is I go to, I attend conferences, my sales team attends conferences, or I speak at conferences. Yep. Meaning event marketing yep. is a big part of my business. Yep. Mm-hmm. All the conferences have been canceled till at least September. Mm-hmm. So I immediately took that budget and said, we got to do two things. We got to start hosting webinars yep. and we got to start creating lots of content, content yeah. marketing, white papers, case studies, blog articles, have me on ad age, ad week, like do this podcast, like just content, 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 content. So people can be aware of us. Yep. And if you're in B2B, I, I can tell you, I'm like blown away right now. Email marketing is really working because people yes. are just sitting at their computers. Mm-hmm. Our brand email is like our top email, the email that we send once a month. Like we send uh, soonly weds an email like once a week, like filmmakers and vendors like once a week. And those are very well performing emails. But like once a month, once every six weeks, we send an email to our brands mm-hmm. and it performs so well because like they're not necessarily being spoken to in that way. Yep. This is even before. Yeah. You know, so I couldn't agree more. So, and then also LinkedIn in mail, that's yeah. like LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Also really working right now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. people are just on their computer. Yeah. So take it to digital marketing, reshift your budgets, think about new ways to create online events. So last Thursday, my friend Anda and I, she's a fellow female founder. She has a company called Notch. We decided two days on, so last Tuesday, we decided that we want to do a webinar. We both posted on LinkedIn and we sent emails out to our clients. We had a thousand people register in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. We did the webinar on Thursday at 4 p.m. At its peak, 750 people tuned in. Amazing. Two hours. At the two hour mark, 400 people were still tuned in. It was amazing. As a result, we're now doing it every Thursday at four. You Mm -hmm. guys can follow me on LinkedIn for more info. Yeah. What does Notch do? What's Notch? I don't know them. Uh, Notch is a content marketing SaaS platform. Cool. And anyway, all I'm saying is people are looking for content right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 10 years ago when before sort of event marketing was a thing, when the internet and connecting virtually was a thing, people were doing this like webinars were a thing. It's now like swinging back because we're in this like weird place. And I think it's just so powerful that I'm seeing so many brands like pivot to do that. Like the wing is now doing taking, they're such an events focused business. They're now doing their events virtually. Uh, And I just think it's these uncertain times can really push people to think more creatively. And the ones who will win are the ones who act fast and like execute on it. So Um, talk to the, social media managers uh, and social media marketers that listen to us. Cause that's a huge, you know, because of the roles Julia and I, mm-hmm. you know, had before that's a huge part of our, our listenership and our community. Obviously the first answer is like, learn more about Micmac. And I don't mean that lightly. I mean it seriously. Um, we don't, we don't like do, you know, it's like, we talk about Dash Hudson. We talk about Micmac. Like when Julia and I talk about something like this, we mean it. I think everyone knows that. So 
you know, it's genuine, but like, what should people be doing right now on, on social, um, in a B2C capacity? Cause I think that's like a lot of who are, um, you know, listeners are like, are there new, you know, creative ways people can be selling product or, um, again, like people like, okay, uh, someone that I was talking to, it runs offline, um, beauty services, but they do sell some product in their store. So we, she and I were talking about like, are there ways she could sell, start selling online, which had never been a priority for her before because her customers came in to her physical space to get a service. And then she sold them some products. Mm-hmm. Like, is there any, you know, thing you're seeing or, or advice you can give to people who are like in the social media marketing um, yeah. role right now? Well, I, it, it goes back to the first big thing, which is how is your business at a business level? addressing mm-hmm. coronavirus. Right. Right. Like, so depending on that would dictate the outcome of your social strategy. But I would say one of the most important things is not to be tone deaf. Yeah. So that's like the first thing. I think this, the second thing is then like, what is your brand's position and permission to participate in this conversation? And so I'll just ramble off some ideas, but let's just pretend that you're a athleisure brand. The reality is you're probably going to sell less product right now, but you have the greatest opportunity ever to provide people with free online fitness. So you do a partnership with, I don't know, Obey Fitness or Rumble Instructors, like whatever it might be to produce high quality content that actually can deliver value to your end user at this time. That would be one example. Let's say you're in beauty. I mean, people are bored right now. I think there's a fun, not tone deaf way to do amazing tutorials at home because people are looking to learn new skills. Maybe you launch a virtual beauty skill right now and it happens, you know, 4 to 6 p.m. every day and Saturday, Sunday, where you can learn from the world's best makeup artists because you have just have so much time in your hands and you can't leave the house. So I really think you have to ask yourself, like, what? What permission and what role can your brand play and then create high value content that will enrich someone's life at home. And if you do that, you will build goodwill with your customers. This will eventually end. This is not going to be our forever. And I think that's the most important thing right now is to try to build goodwill with your customers. Okay. Before we close, I want to play a game with you, Rachel. So we have our namesake game, Do You Follow, where um, Rachel and I and our guests on the show, they bring one account on Instagram that we think the other should follow and we explain why. And I think there's coronavirus has brought up, like the internet is really showing up right now. I feel like there's so many people who are doing such creative things in the wake of this uncertainty. So we'd love to ask you, is there anyone we should follow that we and our listeners might not know about? Oh man. I mean, you guys know everything. So I don't even know. (laughs) We can Um, go first if you want. Rach, do you want to go? Yeah. Okay. So I, um, this is actually exactly what Rachel's talking about. So And I mean, I just want to preface all of this with like, you know, I'm being a little, I'm talking about some of this stuff in like a little bit of a light way, um, which obviously like just the most important things right now are like, um, stay home, just please stay home. Uh, But like, and, you know, please find ways to help the people who don't have access to food and don't have access to childcare. Um, 
I've been sharing some stuff on social. I was having a hard time finding the exact type of places I wanted to contribute. Juliet connected me with someone about Sinai. But okay, but anyways, my mother and I have been talking about beauty. Like, so I think there's two things with beauty. People are at home and they're bored if they like, you know, don't have kids and they have all their needs are being met. But there's other people, it's like, I, my nail situation is like, not good. Like I get a manicure every Saturday. So one, I'm so worried about the women who work at my nail salon. I feel like people are talking a lot about restaurant workers because I don't know, just in my social circle in New York, I have a lot of friends like who touch the restaurant industry, but like, I'm so worried about all the nail techs. Um, I don't really know what to do to help them. Uh, but anyway, I got an ad for this company called Olive and June on Instagram and it was an at home manicure kit. And it was like a really well done Instagram video. It didn't feel slimy. Like they were trying to take advantage of this situation. I felt, I was like, I sent my mom, I was like, we got to get this because like, we don't know how to do this. And like my nails are out of control. And I think, so that's one. And also Madison Reed, cause I know everybody's real worried about their roots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, you should follow Madison Reed and like, they can help you with like your at home hair dye situation. I'm going to do two also, just cause why not? It's our show. We can make up the rules. Yes. Okay. The first one, I don't know if you guys have heard or seen these, this guy on the internet. His name is DJ D nice. His Instagram. Oh, I've been hearing about this. Yeah. He's hosting the, he's a DJ. He's like been around forever. He like, DJ Obama's like farewell White House party in 2016, but he's like a lives in Brooklyn, like old school DJ. He's been going on Instagram Live every day and basically hosting these like virtual like club quarantine dance parties. Mm. And it's just like good, like kind of disco-y vibes. And he's making everyone so happy. And at one point he had like 160,000 viewers. Like people just like are tuning in. It's making them happy. It's making them feel a little bit better about what's happening in the world. And I've seen so many celebrities like talking about him. And I just think it's awesome that he's doing that. A DJ, obviously, to have their job, they play at clubs or places like that and have an audience. And he's kind of taking the audience virtually. And I just think it's awesome. There's also an account I discovered called... WFH fits and it's like working from home fit so people are just submitting like their sweats or Wait, like say that one again I want to WFH fits oh work from home fits. working from home fits and people are taking like mirror selfies in their like sweats but also just kind of like crazy like quirky home get-ups and it's it's kind of a fun like fashion-y account yeah. for the times <laughs> so yeah. that's a good one this is a good one this is a really yeah. good one mine will be also on the fitness bandwagon so uh i have a buddy named cost Marte, and he has a gym if you guys don't know Cos's story he was in jail um because he used to be a drug dealer back in the day and after he got out of jail he reinvented himself and he was also reinventing himself while he was in jail. He lost 75 pounds, creating a workout routine in his jail cell. And so the entire fitness routine is actually can be done in the size of your, your small bedroom. And so follow him on Instagram, Conbody, because they're doing amazing they're things. Awesome. Yeah, they are awesome. Okay, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. You gave such great insights, and I feel like it's so 
useful always, but especially now as people are kind of dealing with this change and potentially pivoting their own businesses or overall industry. So thank you for coming on. We really appreciate your insights. Thank you. And tell everyone where to follow you and McMack, by the way. Uh, You can find me on every social channel, my whole name, Rachel Tipograph, or you can follow McMack, which is McMack TV on every social channel. And where can we tune into your um, webinar, your so, webinar. You know what? I'll send you guys the link. We'll okay. put it in the show notes. Yeah. 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 It's for brand managers it's, and it's marketers. Marketing. We have amazing yeah. people who are going to speak. We have people from Constellation Brands that actually owns Corona Beer. So that'll okay. be interesting. Yeah, really. Um, you folks from like Hershey, Bank of America, JP okay. Morgan. So it's going to really be a powerful conversation. You're the best. Thanks, guys. Talk later. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Do You Follow Podcast, a podcast on social media, digital, and influencer marketing. We are always wanting to hear from you, so if you have a question that you want answered on an upcoming episode, email us at doyoufollowpodcast at gmail.com, or you can Instagram DM us at jdelphine and at Silver. We want to hear from you. So we want to feature your questions on an upcoming episode. And if you want us to do an Instagram audit of your account, your business's account, we are happy to do that as well. So just include your question and all the details and we will feature you on an upcoming episode. And if you like the podcast, we would also love your kudos and appreciation. So please leave us a review and rate us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.